Today on The Faction, we're going to the NWA and we're visiting NWA Power with a special interview with one of their big stars. His name is Ricky Starks. That's happening today on The Faction.
job, kid. It just wasn't my night. Now that's a pro, my friend, a professional wrestler walking away from us. Fantastic win. You know, he's a champion many times over. Yeah, that ain't lost on me. And I know that people got good days and they got some bad days. But that man right there just proved that even if you got him, at least walk out with some dignity. And he did just that. All right, Ricky. Tell all the people here and around the world watching, what are your goals here in the National Wrestling Alliance? I got a lot of goals, and I'm not going to pinpoint myself to just one or two. I can go for the world's title, baby. I can go for the national title if I want to. But guess what? Ricky ain't about just taking titles. I'm about taking this up to another level that you've never seen before, okay? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. People, men, men call me absolute Ricky Starks. The ladies call me Stroke Daddy. And I'm so glad that finally I get the platform that I have been needing. Actually, it's not that I needed it, Marquez, it's that God just didn't have it in the plans just yet. And I know everybody out there is watching, they say, man, Ricky, you're really attractive. You're really, you're really sexy. And I know that you, Marquez, between you and I, I know that you wish you could be like me. And even though you can't, that's okay. I won't judge you any differently. Because God, God didn't have a lot of beauty left over when he was done with me. So I can't blame you if you look like this or if you look like the cameraman. Ricky still got love for you either way. Now, I eat this business and I sleep this business. I am too blessed. So that's why I stay dressed from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And yeah, Ricky may act a little funny, but at the end of the day, I'm counting your money. All right? Okay, Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ricky Stark. We are the faction. Yo, it's not a faction without the facts, son. Hey, welcome back to the faction. This is Courtney, and we have a special guest, GB, giving the news. All right, we're super excited about today's show because we've got really one of the up-and-coming talent in the world of pro wrestling. You guys know we talk about everything here in the world of pro wrestling, and we've been paying a lot of attention to the NWA and NWA Power. Well, we have one of their big stars with us hanging out with us today. Uh, let's see. The ladies call him stroke daddy the guys call him absolute it's my dude ricky starks what's up good brother what's going on y'all how are you living man we're doing great how about you you know same old stuff different day <laughs> there you go there you go for sure well there you, go. you know we're excited about all that you're doing and all the super cool things that are happening with nwa power which we're going to get into in just a little bit but i have to ask you understanding that these days the road to pro wrestling for everybody is a wee bit different what kind of led to your interest in the world of pro wrestling well, when I, I used to watch it when I was, you know, little. Um, yeah. My brother was a big fan um, when he was growing up. And so, you know, when I was about seven or eight, I, had, I was in love with it. Okay. And I remember telling my mom that when I grew up, I was going to be a wrestler. Wow. And you know how, you know, kids are. They, they say one thing and literally a week later, things can change. Sure. But, uh, you know, I stuck to it, obviously, because I'm here. But... Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really do anything else. And when I was younger, um, I used to go outside. And I used to play and you know, do typical stuff like that. But I never was in any sports. Um, 
I really wasn't big into any other cartoons or anything. It's just wrestling. Wow. 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 That's actually really dope because, you know, you hear a lot of people who are either into football or into some other sort of thing. Very few know from the, the get-go pro wrestling is what I'm going to do. And uh, it's really super cool to see this. So who were you influenced by watching the sport back in the day? Because I know a lot of people have the varying uh, sports or the varying spots that they were in. Some were in the Attitude Era. Some loved WCW. What was your thing? Man, I loved three people. It was uh, Undertaker, okay. The Rock, and Mankind. Uh-huh. That was it. That's all. That's all I rocked with. Yeah. And uh, and I and I really, you know, what I'm saying when you put those three together, it's they're all they all contrast each other. So it's very hard to try to get a read on that. Right. But um, I, I can't explain to you exactly what draws me to those people. It's something it, the intangible, obviously. But those are the three that I always cared for. Okay. Um, and, you know, and, and to this day, I've met, I've met all of them. So that's even crazier to, to say out loud right. uh, than if I was seven years old imagining it. Holy cow. That's pretty awesome. That's really, really awesome. Courtney, what, what, what do you have to ask? Well, here's what I want to say is that you're an Undertaker fan, and the Undertaker lost his streak in a certain city that's also dear to you. Are you uh, from New Orleans? Yes, indeed. Oh, my Lord. Now, GB was there. Yeah. But you're from New Orleans. Were you there that night? So, actually, I was there for that entire weekend, and uh, I, I left. I drove back. I was staying in St. Louis at the time. I drove back to St. Louis wow. that day, the day of Mania. Wow. So, when I got back, I had avoided all social media, everything, and I wanted to get back and watch it. And uh, yeah, I sat in the the I sat in my living room and I watched. I said, "Oh, what?" You know, I, I can't even right. I can't tell you the feelings that went through. But right. uh, absolute shock. Yeah, yeah, absolute shock. So you grew up in New Orleans. Is there a wrestling scene in New Orleans? You know, there's some promotions out there right now. When I was growing up, I didn't know any of it. Okay. Um, uh, but currently, there's like one or two, I believe. And uh, one is like Wildcat, and the other is Elevate. Wow. Um, okay. But there's there's not much of a scene, you know, compared to like if you go to Cali or uh, Texas, things like that. Sure. Shout out Texas. I live in Texas. I'm in San Antonio, Texas, right now. We have great wrestling out here. I'm in Austin. Wow. Really? Yes, See, sir. we don't have to have lunch one day. There you go. I'm gonna drive up. I'll take you to lunch. You know what? I'm down so, for that. You. You, you kind of remind me of Keith Lee. You sound a little bit and, like Keith Lee, honestly. Yeah. He oh, looks like him, too. He's a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me tell you something. Me and Keith Lee walk into a barbecue, they're going to shut it down by the time we leave. <laughs> it won't be nothing. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, uh, Rick, Rick, Ricky, you may lift weights, but me and Keith, we lift plates. So you let us do all the eating. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. He's crazy. <laughs> so, so, dude, how did you get from New Orleans to St. Louis? Well, so um, the star happened, Katrina happened. We moved to Vegas okay. um, because, you know, the, the housing was cheap up there. We stayed in Vegas. Well, I stayed in Vegas for four years. My brother and my sister still live there. And uh, me and my mom moved to Austin because she's a nurse, so jobs were a little bit better and more steady than they were in Vegas. Okay. And so when I got here, 
because I was originally going to train up in uh, Nevada, and I was going to drive 30 minutes to go train with the Ballard brothers. Okay. But then we moved, and then when I got to Austin, I was like, well, I need to figure out how I'm going to pay for the schooling, and, and, you know, I need to get a car, things like that. So, yeah, when I moved here, that's when I really started to train uh, and, and, you know, go from there. Wow. wow. That's incredible. That, that, that's pretty amazing. And we know Texas has a big wrestling scene. So for you, where did you break into pro wrestling? What was that like for you? Well, I, being in Austin was a lot harder because back in back in 2011, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of uh, promotions. And obviously the landscape has changed a bit. Right. So for me, it was really a matter of just uh, I was always driving out of town to places for little to no money mm-hmm. uh, just to, you know, get my feet wet. I really didn't start to learn a lot until I started to do the extra stuff at WWE. And I would sit down and I get to talk to Regal and uh, just pick the brains of different people. Yeah. And then from those, once I was, you know, I'd go and do that for two days at WWE. Then I'd go and drive 10 hours or 20 hours to Georgia, wrestle for like three minutes and then drive back. And then just, you know, yeah. just built upon that experience from itself. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That, that's really big because, you know, it, it's funny. The, the, the wrestling business sometimes mirrors the music business in terms of people being able to break in easier at certain times than others. So, you know, if you remember back in the 90s and early 2000s, they had the whole making the band thing. And around the same time, they had uh, tough, yeah. tough Enough as well. And so it seemingly became easier for people who were not part of this business to now become a part of this business. But it's so interesting that you're talking about basically old school breaking in, you know, driving long distances and and doing that type of thing. Um, And so being an extra at WWE, there's a famous clip that floats around about uh, an interaction you had with a certain Ryback. Uh, Talk a bit bit about that because that looked really, really painful. So that happened in Laredo at the Laredo Energy Center. Okay. And uh, this was at the time where they were doing this stuff with Ryback to, you know, give him a bit more aggressive. Yeah. And so I remember I somehow got picked. I don't remember how. And we're doing the rehearsal and, and they told me how everything was set up and what he was going to do. But what most people don't realize is that when he when he grabs the um, the tuna salad and slaps me, mm-hmm. that wasn't. He didn't tell me anything about that. No one told me anything. Oh, wow. So my, you can see my reaction where I start to get a little bit pissed off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then that gets interrupted. That shoot gets interrupted with like pyro. So then we have to do it again and they have to dig out the tuna salad in my ear wow. and we got to reset. And then Triple H comes in and Michael Hayes comes in and they're, they're showing him how that they should, um, like he should act towards me. So Triple H is up in my face trying to show him. Oof. And uh yeah, we did that we did that take three times. Oh my gosh. And all three wow. times he had to get that slap in. That's insane. So how long does it actually take to record that shot? Because it is on TV for about twenty five seconds. How long did it take to actually do it? Some of them are, are live, so you know that that changes, but I'm trying to remember that one took a bit. I wanna say when you had to get everyone together, you had to get the producers okay on it. It's like a 20, 20 minute, 25 minute thing that just Jeez. in itself. And then the filming itself was short, but the whole process. 
So, okay, so listen, I'm not I'm not trying to start any beef. I, I mean, I'm I'm not you, trying to you start sound like any the internet beef. I'm about to go, Courtney. So go ahead. Yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, 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 this isn't your first encounter with Ryback because oh, this no. th- th- and the people don't know this because this happened on July 29th, but we can go back a whole year before with WWE where you fought Jinder Mahal on SmackDown, and then Ryback comes out and he tries to toss you around again. Do you and Ryback have heat? No, you know what? Here's the funny thing. When I was went to Vegas to visit my family back in 2017 or 16, I actually met Ryback at the gym. Wow. Oh, we saw. Him. Talked, yeah, talked to him for a, a good hour. Wow. Talked to him for a good hour. And in fact, uh, he gave me so much advice on my upcoming tryout that I had with WWE. So yeah, me and him are cool. I don't, I don't remember him actually attacking me with that gender Mahal stuff. Oh, I have the video footage to prove it. <laughs> oh God! Okay, well it did happen. I just remember, I remember the camel clutch, and that's it. Wow! Oh no! <laughs> it picked you and another brother up and tossed you at the same time. It listen. Oh God! Me, that's it, right. Oh yeah. See, it caused a concussion. He forgot the whole thing. <laughs> and let me tell you something. Right back, if you're listening to this and you ever come to Austin, we're looking for you, fam. Uh, it'll be Ricky by himself, and I'll be in the car across the street, just kind of yelling like, "Go, Ricky." <laughs> Hey. <laughs> Don't do that, Courtney. Oh God! Help I'm me. just saying. I think Ricky and Ryback got eat. Oh, don't do that. Don't you know, I ain't gonna go that far. <laughs> right? I, I got respect for him. The funny thing, though, is you bring up that match. I actually had a uh, I had a match in Laredo against Gender. I want to say a year or two after that whole thing. Wow. So yeah. So, so listen, if, I'm always getting my come up as brother. Yes. Yeah. I think the cool thing is is that because as, as I was like fishing out and studying for this interview, th- they're saying that your debut of you actually wrestling was after the gender piece or was it before? Because that's kind of a blockbuster timeline that you start wrestling and then you're on television kind of soon. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. I think it says 2012. Mm-hmm. I yeah. actually... I debuted six months after I started training, which was in 2011. Wow. Okay. So my first match was October 2011, and okay. then I didn't get, and then I didn't do the extra stuff for WWE until I want to say a few months after that. Like, um, damn, I can't remember now. Maybe in February, but it was a very short timeline between when I debuted yeah. and then when I went and did that stuff. It really was, and then after that, you find yourself on ROH, Beyond the Sleeper, uh, Evolve. You had this crazy run that you were going yeah. on. Yeah, initially, um, Evolve was, that was for the, when, you know, WWE did uh, New Orleans the first time. Right, um, right. I did, I, I did a, I think I did a multi-man match there uh, at the Tulane University mm-hmm. campus. So cool. That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. And so things are really starting to pick up and progress for you. Uh, And as it's happening, you're starting to find your voice. Talk about the process of finding your voice and your personality as a pro wrestler. Because, again, having watched greats like The Undertaker and Mankind and The Rock, it can often be hard to find your space. So what was that like to find your voice? Well, it's not that different than, you know, me, if I'm just chilling at home. Okay. Um, it's a matter of trying to, to put that in a package and then present that to people, right? 
I think a lot of people don't realize is that when you're trying to find your voice, trying to find yourself in wrestling, 10 times out of 10, you're trying to do that in your personal life too. Like that's across the board. Everyone usually finds themselves a lot quicker than others. And then sometimes it takes a while. Sure. But for me in wrestling, there was already a piece that I had figured out even before I got into it. And, uh, it was just a matter of trying to, you know, push that and see how far I can go. Uh, to, to the point where people are like, Oh, okay. I see it. I get it now. He does have some ter- type of personality. Yeah. And then when it came to talking, it was just a matter of just me BSing my way through stuff, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, the honesty on that, the honesty I of it. I love it. I love it. And you know, have you, have you always been a good talker? Yeah. Like when I was, um, I used to go to an all black school. Right. Okay. And so right. I'm black, but I'm, I'm a lot lighter skin than, than, than they were. So, um, a lot of times I would be getting into fights, but it was also because I started them. So was, I like to talk <laughs> mess to people and uh, I like to talk mess, but I like to be funny about it. So it's a very hard thing for people to go, Oh, you know, he's mean, but he's so funny. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of like him now. I love it. I love That's it. So, so you, you alluded earlier to a tryout with WWE. When was that? And what was that like for you? That happened in February of 2017, and it was for three days, and it was it was one of the, the best experiences of my life. I, there, I was doing stuff that I didn't even know I could do, you know what I'm saying? Wow. That was, wow. um, it definitely pushed you, and I had prepared myself up until that point. So when I talked to Ryan back, it was in 2000, um, it was like, yeah, it was like December 2016, and that's when he gave me more tips and what not to do okay. and to go in there with a, this is it, or that's, this is, you know, this is all I got type attitude. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, being in there, I was up in there with, with NFL players and, uh, college athletes. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about like bodybuilders and, you know, Instagram bots and, uh, <laughs> all these, all these people. And, I'll never forget standing up there to cut a promo and being like, wow, regardless of what these people do, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I am, I am great in this position. I am a wrestler. I know what I am. Mm-hmm. These people are coming from a, a whole nother profession trying to yeah, jump in. Yeah, right. And, yeah. And, you know, you get it. So uh, I think that was a matter of like just being in my lane. And, and as I tell people, um, I can't catch no, no fish if I'm watching – your line. Ooh, so, I know that's right. You know, you know it's just, it, it's such a good, good experience. Yeah. Yeah. And so for you, a lot of these things start leading you obviously toward the NWA. I first saw you, uh, I was at the uh, NWA 70th anniversary show and uh, you were involved in the uh, NWA uh, national title tournament uh, for that. Talk about your road to ultimately get into the NWA. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't seek that out. Wow. Um, because I didn't think that this was before the time that I knew their vision. Right. Right. And so I was used to what the old NWA by Bruce Stark was, which was just a bunch of old dudes, sure. a bunch of gatekeepers that, you know, just a little 50 year old boys club. Mm-hmm. And so what, how, how the NWA thing came about was, I had made these vignettes. I produced them. I paid for them. I had a yep. camera guy 
and we went out and we did these videos. Yeah. And in my head, I was like, well, this is the end. I just, I, I don't know what else to do. Like, I, I, WWE didn't want me. I ain't doing really much on the indies. Like, it ain't popping off like I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So I came up with the idea to do like a lookbook for myself. And it didn't have to be explained to you like what this guy is. You just make up that interpretation your, your own. And so I had posted on Twitter and it got to them. And they were so impressed by my creativity that they hit me up and they wanted to bring me on and try me out for the NWA 70 show. Okay. And I guess from there, I had impressed them enough to the point where they wanted to build something at that point. Wow. 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 So I'm intrigued because I think like you, when we first heard of the resurgence of the NWA, we weren't 100 percent sure what we were going to get. Like in Uh in theory, it sounded like, wow. But then in reality, you know, you had okay, you had what WWE was doing. uh, You had New Japan Ring of Honor, what they were doing. And at that point, we still didn't know about All Elite. So we weren't really sure about what the NWA was doing. How was the vision rolled out to you? And what was the moment where you were like, you know what? I think I want to jump on board with this. It, well, that that came to that came to me at NWA seventy. I remember oh, wow. doing the walkthrough of what they wanted, yeah, of what they wanted and things like that, and then talking to them afterwards, and I was like, oh, I got gotcha. you. Wow. And talking to Nick, like in the locker room, Nick was telling me, you know, this and that, being very encouraging when other people like Nick have not been encouraging. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, when they explained that vision and and what they they weren't trying to be entirely like the old mm-hmm. to me they they are a hybrid mix to try to to bring in both yes. the nwa power stuff that's a palate cleanser for the week mm-hmm. wow things like it's things like that that I, I i saw and i saw through the i saw in the future for i said okay this is something i can put my hand into and finally feel um somewhat valued you know what i'm saying yeah yeah so I am on this show, the NWA aficionado. I am. I grew up in Virginia in the Mid-Atlantic wrestling area. So I was there mm-hmm. from Mid-Atlantic and saw all those early matches into NWA. When I first heard of NWA coming back, I said with all of my heart, this is going to be an incredible, amazing disaster. I was wrong. Now, now, Ricky, wait. I was wrong, pa- fam. Pause. Ricky, you must understand, Courtney never acknowledges his wrong. So this is a major moment. Major moment. Hey, man. No, every, is, this is all growth. Yeah, yes, it's it the is. day after Sunday. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's the day after Sunday. I'm still feeling it. So, <laughs> so you know, I, I, I saw this and I saw what Billy was doing and I just said, Billy is going to lose money. And then I saw Jimmy Cornette sign up. I said, okay, Jim's there, and I saw the first taping, and I was hooked. It was the reason why I started watching wrestling. I said to myself, I think they even pulled the jobbers from the 70s. They like time-lapse these dudes. But, man, it was great, and and you want to talk about them believing in you? Bro, you're on quite a few episodes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you, 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 you're really killing this thing that you have going right now. You're in, you're in there with Aaron Stevens. You guys, you know, you're killing right now. Your first one with Trevor Murdoch, who's a big boy now. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you guys are killing. So how does it feel being a part of an industry where they say they're just watching all elite, but you see a edge shout you guys out. You're seeing people lean in and say, what's happening in NWA Power is incredible. How does that feel? It's awesome to to the fact that The Rock watched it, you know what I'm saying, yes. and was like, "Yo, this is great." Mm-hmm. The fact that Edge watched it and said, "This is great," it's very yeah. cool to see. Um, it's it's, a, it's I think it's awesome. I really do. Um, I, I think that for what we have right now, as far as wrestling goes, I think it delivers in a certain way that you really didn't expect it. I, right. it totally, no. totally. And I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm loving the stuff with uh, Aaron, and, and I love the stuff with Trevor. Yeah. We never worked together before, but it's good to have these guys there because they come in with that experience that they had. It, Aaron Stevens was in was in OVW Developmental. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Shan, he's been yeah. with, he was with that company for a very long time. So the experience and the people that he's interacted with is. You can't measure it. Right. Yeah. It's good to have those guys on board. And it's good to have people who come up to you and they say, hey, I like what you're doing. Or you wow. have someone that says, hey, I don't get you at first. And then they watch that promo I did and they go, okay, right. I, I get it now. I like it. Right. So it's you're, cool to have that that positive reinforcement. Your promos are great. You're going to go from the stroke daddy to the quote daddy. Uh, <laughs> listen, uh, how is it working with Jim Cornette? Uh, I haven't had much interaction with Jim. The only time I had interaction with Jim, he wasn't even producing on one of our matches. He he gave his input as in, in terms of an idea uh, as far as what me and Aaron uh, could do. But, you know, I haven't talked to him too much because when we're doing that stuff, we're there from like 10 to 12 a.m. So it's hard for people to actually sit down and uh, talk to each other, especially the uh, people like, Cornette and commentators and whatnot because they're constantly right. in production. Yeah. Yeah. So take me through because this is so interesting. Again, what you guys are doing in NWA really is so different than the rest of the industry where right now, you know, so many people are living in the moment with live uh, presentations like, you know, NXT moving all the way live to AEW and Raw and SmackDown. You guys are, again, fully old school doing full taped shows in a studio for certain uh, blocks of time. What is that like for you where you may tape in essence three or four, maybe even five one-hour shows in a given day? Is it difficult to, to really re-up in terms of energy? Uh, what, what is that like for you? Well, it, it's it, I wouldn't say it's bad, like okay. terrible, but man, you're getting, you're warming your body up for a match just to come back down, cool down, you know, chill out for a bit and then warm it back up. Right. Oh, wow. And you're in your boots all day. So like, I won't even front. It does suck. Like my lower back was killing me. Wow. But the good thing is that the people that, that are there, they keep that energy up through the most part. Okay. So to me, that's awesome because, okay, I'm not feeling the highest of highs right now as far as my body goes. But then I go out and then like, yeah, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, it is rough. 
it, it definitely is rough. I don't think the body was made to warm up, cool down, warm up, cool right. down. Right. You know, the Kanye West workout plan. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, but th- but that makes a lot of sense. I-, I mean, having been to several TV tapings, both in wrestling and in other things, it can be hard, first of all, as a performer to stay up and then as a crowd to stay up. But you've done a great job of ensuring that the shows that you're in, they all feel super fresh, which is hard to do mm-hmm. nowadays. Um, so so tell me how you're feeling about this. You apparently have uh, set an NWA record uh, on the most recent episode of Power, the fastest pinfall in NWA history, uh, where you got that three-second pin in the first fall against Aaron Stevens. What was that like, man? Because And I don't know if you knew you were going to be making history, even thought about that, but what is that like to go down in the history books for that? That that's amazing to me because I did not know about that. Yeah. All I knew was I wasn't finished <laughs> taking off my my entrance my you know my entrance gear. Mm-hmm. So I needed to take that off first, and then the homie tried to run up on me with the roll up. But and you got him. <laughs> the, chain, the chain and bandana are very important to take off before I start wrestling. For but it's an awesome <laughs> it's an awesome little flag to have. Uh, put in there. The fact, I don't think Noah's gonna beat that. Yeah, no. I'll put it out there, and it's it's hard to beat that, dude. Very hard to beat that. And and listen, he has that he has that that record. And I had to sit through the Mokey Brothers and Rocky Johnson and all of them when I was watching NWA <laughs> back in the day. I mean, real jobless fam. I don't even know them brothers got paid. Oh my gosh. So, so congratulations to you. So let me ask you this. You're, you're, you're taping NWA, and I first heard about you via mutual friend John Murray. Mm-hmm. Said, hey, mm-hmm. you got to watch this dude. And he used this phrase. He said he has, and GB and I have talked about it off the air. We talked about it last week about you. This guy has Dwayne The Rock Johnson potential written all over him. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that <laughs> comparison yet? Yes, I've, I've heard that comparison. I've heard people say I look like. A young rock. I look like Rocky Maivia. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else have I heard? And let, uh, let, let me say this. It's not because you're a brother either. It's right. because <laughs> you're gifted. Yeah. It's honestly because you're gifted. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you told me that because I was I, when I was reading online. I was like, "Is this because we? Because <laughs> we look so if, fair skin? Is this because we, bro? Man, y'all think me and Terrence Howard the same person? Light skin brothers unite. But you know, it's not that many light skin brothers in wrestling, though. So you holding it down? Yeah, there isn't. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's important to me because um, when I grew up, I didn't see. You know, I could. I'll be honest with you. I really couldn't relate to people like um, I, I couldn't relate to people who weren't who didn't look like me. That's sure. just that's just how it was. So it's very hard to to see someone that was light skinned and black be on wrestling. And so I think what I think I'm I think God put me in the right spot as far as that goes. Yeah. And who knows? You know, um, I, I would blow up and be just as big as a rock, or I get casted as just like evil little brother, and we do a bank heist. I don't know. That'd be kind of dope. Oh, that'd be kind of dope. Lot <laughs> you know, you, you you mentioned something that I think is is worth uh, discussing, 
when we think about the old NWA uh, in the 70s and the 80s, one thing we did not see much of was African-American yep. representation, um, particularly as a successful wrestler. You know, there there were the mm. SD Jones of the world. There were the, you know, the the guys who would come in and just, you know, be a journeyman of sorts. But there were very few African-American stars Fast forward to 2019, we've seen Kofi Kingston win the WWE Championship this year. We've seen uh, a lot of very intentional movements around ensuring African-American representation in our business. What are your thoughts on that, particularly as really one of the leading stars of color in the NWA? How important is representation? Man, it is, it's not off on me at all. You know, I understand the history of that, and I understand the history quite a bit. So it isn't lost on me. It's very important to me to have that, um, that, that you know, have that representation, but also be outside of what is typical of those representations, yes. especially on wrestling. Yes. So, uh, and, and especially, you know, to me, it's normal, honestly. It's normal to see people of my, my skin color uh, in New Orleans because it was such a melting pot. Right. And trying to get that and portray it on TV as a thing of, hey, black people are just not one type of shade. Mm -hmm. uh, that's also a goal, you know? Yeah. So it, it, I, I do want that to be a thing where people can watch me. Okay, so we have representation on every single programming of wrestling right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and. I'm not going to say I'm taking the charge for that on NWA, yeah. but if I'm the anointed one, then I'll, I'll definitely take that with pride because that's important to me to make sure that people can see, especially when you compare it to the old, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, yes, we, we it's a little bit old school, but man, there's a different take on it now. And, and I have a strong appreciation for that. Like, we're not uh, a monolithic people by any stretch of the imagination, nor should we be represented in wrestling in that way. Um, and so mm -hmm. I, I appreciate you you seeing that. Have you run into any challenges uh, in the NWA in that regard, or have you not found that to be an issue at all? I haven't found it to be an issue whatsoever. And if it was an issue, I would have nipped it in the bud right then and there. Wow, uh, you know. But it. the thing is, is too. I don't think people realize that I'm black. Wow. Like, no, I, I've, I've gotten that quite a few times. Wow. Wow. So do 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 they, do they assume that you are of Hispanic descent? Yes. Uh, either I, I usually I get a lot of oh you're Puerto Rican or okay you know you're this and that. It's like no, I do have some Spanish in me. Yes, but mm -hmm. my family is majority black. They just were a lot lighter skin. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, whatever opens the door for you is what I say. <laughs> right. Hey, you know, <laughs> hey, right. at least I'm in there. Exactly. Hey, brother, you look Asian today. Well, go ahead and sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just roll with it, man. Who are we, we, man, we're, we're still here with Ricky. Ricky. And uh, listen, I, I, I want to say this. You clearly can hold it down talking. You clearly can hold it down as a wrestler. What's one of your hobbies? What do you like to do? Man, I get this. I get this question, and it's hard to answer because I, I do things I don't necessarily think are hobbies. Um, besides working out and doing the typical hobby stuff, uh, I like to. I, I make all of my graphics, so 
all of my t-shirt designs, things like that. I enjoy doing that. Wow. Oh, sweet. I, I consider that a hobby. I consider um, graphic design a hobby, but I also like to dis- I, I like to craft different stuff. Like I just, if I need a shelf, I'll just build a shelf and, and go from there. Wow. Uh, but that's really it. I don't, wrestling has always been my number one love. So I never took time out to really go and venture and see if I liked anything else. Really. I'm slowly doing that as I get older, of course. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty awesome. Uh, you know, so, so let me, I want to ask this question very quickly, uh, flipping back to wrestling really quick. One of the things that just blew me away was the announcement of this upcoming NWA pay-per-view in December and the fact that it sold out so fast, uh, yeah. which was just mind-numbing to me uh, to see how fast it sold out. And now the TV tapings behind it are uh, selling out or almost at full capacity. Did you guys expect uh, for there to be this kind of response um, to what's happening with the NWA so fast? Me personally, I did. Okay. I, I expected I expected all three. Actually, we're close to the third day being sold out. I think there's only like five or four tickets left. No, the third day sold out now too. Wow. So I expected all of this uh, because off of that, off the first episode, off the second episode, I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. this is a wrap. Okay. Yeah. I, I get it now. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm excited. Yeah. I, I absolutely am excited. We get matches. That can have a payoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a pay per view, so it's a longer pay per you know, it's a longer show, which means more time for the matches. Right. I'm absolutely ecstatic about it. That's incredible, uh, Ricky. I, 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 I want to jump jump back over to, to your creative process because one eight hundred Stark line. How in the <laughs> world did you come up with that as your T shirt? So um, that. Drake had this song, the hotline bling, obviously. And right. uh, there was a, a picture of it that I saw online on Tumblr. And I was like, 1-800-HOTLINE-BLING. And uh, I basically was like, oh, what if I just put my, you know, what if I had a phone line as well? People would call it if they went to shows and they didn't like, um, you know, the wrestling or it's too boring. <laughs> yeah. They just give me a call and I show up. And I'd be the entertainment for the night. That's incredible. Uh, that's awesome. So that's how I came up with that. And it really just took off and people seemed to like it. Wow. Now, from there, I, I went on to some other stuff, obviously. Yeah, yeah, but, but but you didn't stop there. You had to coordinate, as, as Witherspoon would say. You had to yes. coordinate it. And <laughs> GB, this man took his T-shirts, put them in a ground meat butcher's tray oh wrapper, and sealed it and put a label. <laughs> Where did you come up with that idea? <laughs> That's Honestly, so ignorant. <laughs> I was I was just at the I was at the store. I said, "Man, what if I what if I package some T-shirts like clothes in a steakhouse or whatever?" I was in one of the beat aisles. I said, "What if I just package my shirt up like that and sold it at shows?" No one's doing that. Yeah, no one is. You know, packaging Man, it, they it, merchandise. No, no one's done it since. I don't think. But it's so no. brilliant. Like like I would buy one just. Just to say, I have it. Right. Right. That's, Some people that's, have it and have not opened it. Wow. Oh, that's you know why? Smart. They're waiting for you to do that movie with The Rock. They're yeah. waiting for the Bank Heist movie. 
They gotta sell it on eBay. It makes so much sense. Oh my gosh, I love it. I, I love this too because, and I think I can say this in an era where certainly a lot of wrestlers are, you know, going that independent route with their merchandise, and they're seemingly all going through uh, pro wrestling tees. I love the fact that you've got your own website and you're doing it all yeah. yourself. I think that's brilliant. Um, talk to me about your decision to do that versus doing what many other independent wrestlers may be doing and going the route of uh, a pro wrestling tease. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off by saying this. I'm not knocking pro wrestling tees at all. Sure. They have a great business. Um, but my philosophy was I like to be real personable with people. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to make something for you, I want to make sure that I would wear it too. Wow. And some of those shirts, not just with pro wrestling tees, but the WWE shirts too, they get printed on that hard, heavy Gildan shirts. And I, 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 I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. So if I wouldn't wear it, why would I print my stuff on it? Yeah. So that's why when it comes to my merchandise, whether that's the pins, the pictures, the t-shirts, I have my hands on it a hundred percent because I want to make sure that I'm delivering a quality product that I would enjoy too. So when it comes to the shirts, I make sure I figure out which shirts I like. I go and feel them. Um, I need to make sure that it's soft and how do they wash afterwards? You know? So I, I go through that whole process and that was just a matter of, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it my way. Mm -hmm. I can't rely on somebody else to get it done for me. Uh, and, And that's really where that came from was that, and I enjoy it. It is very difficult I may not see a huge payoff right now, mm-hmm. but I know that people at least appreciate it. So that's enough for me. Yeah. Same with thing with the packaging. I had to buy all that extra stuff. And I remember it took me at least two hours, three hours to package all that stuff up. Wow. Uh, just to yep. sell them. Wow. And, and, you know, go to different shows and, and basically put it in my bag. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think the, the, the piece of it of doing it yourself, DIY, certainly uh, has its own degree of payoff to it. I got to ask you this because you mentioned T-shirts, you mentioned designs, um, and a couple of weeks ago there was a monstrous uh, issue that happened in the social verse surrounding T-shirts, designs, the like uh, representation it surrounded Jordan Miles aka ACH and uh, while I still don't know you know kind of the end result of all of that it did spark a lot of questions surrounding design and things of that nature I want to ask you how involved do you think wrestlers should be uh, in the creation of their merchandise uh, and and at what point should they speak out if something is offensive, perhaps as what happened in the case of, of Jordan Miles? Well, I think, honestly, everyone, from a creative standpoint, everyone should at least be 100% on, or at least 50-50. Mm-hmm. Some people aren't that creative, so they need they need someone else to help them and, and filter out the ideas, right? Sure. So I feel like if, if I'm getting a shirt printed for me, that we're going to sell that I can also make money on mm-hmm. you best believe I'm going to be in that, that, that boardroom meeting or whatever it is yeah. throwing up ideas as well and trying to make money for everybody. Right. So, you know, that that's extremely important. And on the case of when you have a situation like that arise, I think that it's important to 
not only educate, but rectify things mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a positive way, you know. Um, obviously, that situation, there's some stuff that we don't know about that is also contributing to what's going on about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but my opinion is, how are we supposed to expect people from another race know all the small inner details of the black culture? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Very true. Uh, there's, stuff, there's, there's stuff that people don't even know about because history, textbooks, no one's speaks on it we know it just within this community right so it's important to at least educate uh when these things arise Mm -hmm. no i i totally agree i totally agree funny story (laughs) i thought about this i was just in mexico over the weekend for a wedding and when we got off of the uh when we were in the airport we were coming out for our transportation and there was a van that had a monkey on it and I immediately was like, wait a minute. Then I had to remind myself, wait, I'm in Mexico. They, they probably aren't even <laughs> thinking <laughs> about yeah. this. But for a, yeah, man. Man, yeah. for a second, I was about to just lose it because of, you know, the yeah. implications. Because it is that personal to us. And I, I love the fact that wrestlers these days are able to be more vocal about social issues and the things that are offensive. Because, you know, for years, wrestlers, particularly uh, African-American wrestlers, had to sit back and just take it, you know? And so I'm glad that that's not the case anymore. And I'm certainly a big fan of of what you're doing. So tell me, what's, what's 2020 looking like for Ricky Starks? Because 2019 certainly has looked awfully bright. Honestly, I am I haven't really sat down to write out the big goals for me yet. Okay, but uh, I can tell you this: my my goal is to make sure that um, I, I'm a lot. Whatever I, I'm in right now, NWA, I want to take that up to the highest level that I can. That's the that's the first and foremost thing. Mm-hmm. And then two, I really want to to make some money, make a lot of money, so I can at least buy my mom a car this year or sure. buy her house this year i want to do one you know i want to do something like that that's awesome. that's just not you know i know you want the goals for myself but that's it that's how that goal plays in yeah, yeah. if i do good for myself i can do good for her so absolutely yeah i'm really just i'm interested in taking this whatever this is whatever you want to call it this, this roller coaster right now up to a way higher level yeah. uh and i anticipate that to, to mean you know, I'm on more shows. You see my face pop up more regularly, not even just in NWA, but hopefully we can get into some, some acting roles or things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm looking forward to doing. So h- how does mom feel like you're being called the stroke daddy? How does she feel about that? <laughs> she just shake her head. I know she do. She just shake her head. She goes, I don't know <laughs> what to do with you. <laughs> that's such a black mom. I don't know what to do with you. I don't know what to do with you. Yeah, she's I don't know. I don't know. She's something else. So. <laughs> I promise you this though, by next year when you buy her that house, she's gonna be very, very good with it, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. she ain't already good with it, you know. <laughs> I love it. Well, That's what, a, awesome. what a pleasure it has been to talk to you today, Ricky. Let everybody know how they can stay connected to you uh, via social media and how they can get their hands on uh, all that super cool gear uh, that you have as well. 
Yeah, well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at StarkmanJones. Uh, and then I got my Instagram, which is Starkey Baby. Mm-hmm. And really, all of my merchandise, whatever I have, is always going to be in one spot. And that's uh, on rickystarks.bigcartel.com. Uh, it's in my bio on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and easily you can go on there and get what you need. I just got some new sizes in and re-upped. So, yeah, and I'm supposed to, I'm going to drop some new merchandise pretty soon for christmas time so ah, you know dope. Uh, things are on the horizon yes. as far as new merch goes yes well it's super dope merch for sure i've taken a look at it i'm definitely going to be placing an order really soon because it's some good good stuff so you guys make sure you're following ricky in all those places check out his merch uh ricky starks.bigcartel.com and check him out on <laughs> nwa power uh, six oh five p.m. Eastern every Tuesday on YouTube, and if you miss it, you can always go back and binge watch on NWA's YouTube channel. We'll hey, be, we'll be back with more hey, faction hey. right after this.
This is the Stroke Daddy Ricky Starks, and you know I only do it one way, and that's big. You're not listening to The Faction. Hey, welcome back to The Faction. This is Courtney. What an interview. GB, what'd you think? Man, I love it. That Ricky Starks has got the goods, man. He has got the goods. He has goods, man. He really does. And what a story. Uh, I totally enjoyed that. I hope you guys did. And you know what I like about this is NWA is that organization that nobody really saw coming. You know, uh, yeah, that's true. we were prepared for AEW. Uh, obviously, WWE's doing their thing, but nobody saw um, NWA rising from the ashes and doing what great promotion should do, introducing us yeah. to new and rising stars. And that's Ricky Stark. So, again, make sure you're following him in all the ways that he mentioned on social media. He's a great follow. And uh, check out his uh, merchandise. It's really, really dope. Ricky, His merch game is really good. It is. It's really, really good. Yeah. RickyStarks.BigCartel.com. Check it out. It's uh, super, super dope. And again, check him out on NWA Power every Tuesday night, 6.05 p.m. Eastern on the YouTube channel. Or, of course, you can check it out, um, you know, on demand. So if you miss the 6.05 premiere, you can definitely check it out uh, at any given time. You can go back and watch old episodes as well. It's a great, great show. All right, here's how you can reach out to us on social media. Courtney. I am Courtney Beard on Instagram, at C Major Beard on Twitter, still Courtney Beard on Facebook. Let's talk. All right, and of course, you can reach me at Bonnerfide on all platforms, and you can reach us at The Faction Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us next week. We've got more great content coming your way, including our quick hits, our weekly show, and you never know when a super cool interview will pop up. But until then... It's Courtney, it's Clack, it's GB, and we are the faction. Salute my people, here we go. Salute my people.